everyone. You're listening to The Future of Food is You, a production of the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network. I'm your host, Abina Samwa, and each week I talk to emerging talents in the food world and they share what they're up to, as well as their dreams and predictions for what's ahead. As for me, I'm the founder of The Eden Place, a community that's all about gathering people intentionally around food. I love this new generation of chefs, bakers, and creatives making their way in the worlds of food, drink, media, and tech. Today's guest is Ginny Cho, the founder of Detour Donuts in Frisco, Texas. Ginny grew up working in her parents' donut shop and has been on a journey to expand beyond the traditional glazed donuts that were a childhood staple. At Detour, Ginny is reinventing what it means to be an American donut shop and offering creative and culturally relevant flavors for everyone who walks into her shop. We chat about her detour into the world of donuts from medicine, how her space serves the community, and her dreams now that she is a newly minted permanent resident. Thank you to Kerrygold for supporting The Future of Food is You. Kerrygold is the iconic Irish brand famous for its rich butter and cheese made in Ireland with milk from grass-fed cows. I was recently in Ireland with Kerrygold and got to meet some of the people behind their signature butter and cheese. I spent an afternoon with Kerrygold's cheese tasters to learn how classic cheddars like Dubliner and Skellig are aged. I visited the Ballymaloo Cookery School and watched Rachel Allen make some champ, which is basically an Irish take on mashed potatoes filled with scallions and Kerrygold salted butter. In the gold foil, of course. We also spent an afternoon with the Grubb Ferno family, the cheesemakers behind the Kerrygold Cashel Blue Farmhouse Cheese, perfect for any cheese board or salad topping. It was wonderful just to see how Kerrygold is such a big part of Irish culinary culture. We even got to meet the famous cows. The Cleary family in County Waterford introduced us to their herd, and I learned so much about what goes into producing the best milk for Kerrygold's butter and cheese. Be on the lookout for some cow selfies on my Instagram. Each time I reach for my favorite unsalted butter or yummy cheddar, I will be thinking of those cows and their dreamy pasture. Look for Kerrygold Butter and Cheese at your favorite supermarket, specialty grocery store, or cheese shop, and visit KerrygoldUSA.com for recipes and product information. Some Cherry Bomb housekeeping. This is for all you cookbook lovers. On Saturday, November 11th, Cherry Bomb is hosting its third annual cookbook festival, Cooks and Books, at Ace Hotel Brooklyn. The day will be filled with panel discussions and live demos from your favorite cookbook authors, including Sola L. Whaley and Abby Belinket. Tickets are on sale at cherrybomb.com. Get your tickets now before they sell out. Also, if you want to make a weekend of it and stay at the Ace Hotel Brooklyn, use code CHERRYB for 15% off when booking on acehotel.com. Let's check in with today's guest. Ginny, thank you so much for joining us on the Future Food is You podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us where you grew up and how did food show up in your life? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Food. Food is everything. Was everything. Is everything. Will be everything in my life. I was born in Busan, South Korea. So that's like the most southern tip of South Korea. And was there until I was seven and then moved to Texas. My dad's side was already here and they had planted roots. So my dad also followed suit and then we just kind of stayed and I've still been in Texas ever since. Food has 
been something that always reminds us of home. That was like the most important tether (laughs) back to home. It's just like a constant reminder of Korea. And in a good way. Every meal was a feast. What were some of the dishes that showed up at the dinner table? One of my favorite soups is called yukgejang, and it's like a spicy, like, beef broth soup that I love because it nourishes your soul, and it takes a long time to cook. It requires everyone to, like, help with a certain ingredient. Maybe it's, like, the sprouts, you know, so I'd have to be, like, sitting there and taking out all the bad sprouts, and my grandma would be, like, working on the meat or It was just a family thing, like, to do together. And your parents did have a donut shop, too, growing up in Texas. Yes. What was it like growing up in a donut shop? Very early. Because every morning was early. They were open 365 days a year. So, yeah, no days off and working, like, early hours all the time. I mean, I feel like the entire household was up and buzzing from, like, 3 a.m., Of course, I love them, and I wanted to spend more time with them. As soon as I could, I started going to the shop with them and just helping with what I can. I, You know, I thought I was doing my part. And then he would drop me off at the library at some point. He being your dad? Yeah, yeah, my dad would drop me off at the library, and that would just sort of be my day or school. What were some of the tasks that you did while you were in the donut shop? I started off with bagging donut holes okay nice probably yeah because donut holes are like so grab and go but you have to like count all of them you Mm -hmm. know so it's like okay like make 20 bags of donut holes so i'll just sit there doing that and then my parents also started making these mini cinnamon rolls and mini apple fritters that actually got pretty popular wherever they opened their store so lots of bagging and then moved on to taking customers. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And like back then we still had the cash registers where you had to like punch everything in, playing with a calculator all day. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The new POSs, I mean, I, I suppose they're more efficient, but it's certainly not as fun. And then moved into like making donuts too. What was the setup like then in your parents' shop? Dough table, proofer, fryer, glazer, and like a decorating table, and that's sort of the line. You have a biomedical engineering degree from University of Texas at Dallas. Are there any elements of your degree that transfer into your work into cooking or spark some interest when you think about cooking? Yes. At school, I spent quite a bit of time doing research just like hours after hours in the lab, like trying different combinations of things that would give me the kind of result that I was looking for. Or I mean, that was at least like my my strategy for research. And I find that research process to be very similar to how I make the flavors for my donuts because it's a lot of like in your head and like oh let me try this this way and that way and at least for where I'm at right now it's a pretty solitary journey um, when I'm in the kitchen trying to come up with new flavors for detour so yeah it's that sort of experimenting and like research kind of way but there's like an end to this you know and I can like sell it and I, I That's amazing. Like, (laughs) because when you do research in the 
in like engineering or in medicine, you just never really know if you're ever going to see that out in the world. For sure. Yeah. But you get to see your stuff every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have, like, I have a brick and mortar. I can just put it out there and see how it does and have conversations about it. Yeah. How did you decide on the name Detour Donuts? Oh, (laughs) I wanted Need Donuts. Like, when you, like, need dough, there's actually another donut shop called Need Donuts. Mm. So I was like, okay, so I guess I can't do that. So I was driving around and I saw this detour sign and I thought the D and D for detour and donuts, like the alliteration would be great. And also it was such a detour in my life. I thought I was going to stay on the path of, this is pretty typical, but like stay on the path of like academics and medicine. But for a very specific reason, I couldn't go down that path. And so I had this opportunity to open Detour and knew I had to take it because how often do those opportunities come? What was the particular opportunity that made it worth it to decide on opening the shop? It has a lot to do with my permanent resident story. So after I immigrated here, I was on my parents' visa and then I was on my own visa And I was waiting for my green card to come through. It wasn't like I wanted to stay in school because I I, I didn't know how long my green card would take. I did want to get back into doing medical school, but there was just this blob of time and I didn't know what to do with it, but I didn't really want to spend it doing nothing or working for someone else. I love Dallas. It's home for me. And I've seen Dallas grow exponentially, and it still is. It was clear to me that Dallas was ready for like a different kind of shop than the ones that my parents had for 10 plus years at that point, you know? So I'm like, okay, my parents are going to back me up on this, and it's the right time. Donuts are blowing up everywhere, and let's just do this right now. And I had been experimenting at my parents' shop, too, but the clientele's different. They're not looking at flavors to see, oh, that's a creme brulee donut. Oh, that one's made with mascarpone. Like, what's the difference between this cream and that cream? Like, that conversation is just not going to happen when there's... When, like, people are just ready to just leave. Like, they don't even look at the display case. They already come in knowing what they want. So having the clientele be different and, like, I just knew it had to be a different store. Something that I've loved about your work is just how creative you are. You are able to just mix flavors up in such beautiful ways. Like, you have a rotating menu of stuff in your bakery from things like mango sticky rice flavors to pumpkin mascarpone and even orange cardamom hazelnut. Or on the slightly savory side, too, you have olive oil and fennel, blueberry goat cheese. When you think about the types of flavors you want in your donuts, what does the ideation process look like from, okay, this thing can exist in the world, to now we have a tangible creation that's in the store? The focus for a long time, and it still is, has been about the flavor. I think with donuts, the bad rep that it gets is that it's too sweet. You know, it's just so much sugar. I have a sweet tooth, but I don't like things that are overly sweet. 
So I look for flavor combinations that can actually stand out even with the very specific limitations of it can have a filling, it can have toppings. And with the icing, in order to make the icing thick enough, it requires a lot of powdered sugar. And if the flavor can't come through with all the powdered sugar that you come in, then maybe that flavor is not a good, great one for donuts. And that's why I work with a lot of creams. Freshly whipped cream, to be specific. It's yeah. Like the love of my life. It seems like your donuts are not just pushing flavor boundaries. They're also pushing conversational boundaries. What I love, too, is you don't just focus on traditional holidays. I feel like there's all the holidays that get pushed to us. We get all the ads, Thanksgiving, Christmas. But you also make donuts for things like Holi, which is the Indian festival, Lunar New Year, Eid, or even specific heritage months like Black History Month, Pride Month, or Asian American and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Month. How do you think incorporating these themes into the restaurant's calendar is embodying a real American donut shop or what a real American donut shop should look like? Growing up as an immigrant and as an Asian in America, you are taught to assimilate. I am trying to undo all that I've been taught through the work that I do at Detour. So giving the community more of an accurate representation of what America is really made of, what the people around us are really made of. Like, it's beyond Christmas, you know, it's beyond Easter. It's more than Valentine's, you know. Some of them, they're not going to know, but to spark that sense of curiosity I live in a state where I'm sure you've read a lot of news about. It is a very conservative state, but it's home. And I want to say that uh, I hope that they will still be able to like open their hearts. And I think everyone seeing that this one donut shop can handle like all these conversations and all these different holidays coming in and out of the display case, you know, like, it's all okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and what better entry point to know about the world than through food? I think it's it's universal love language. And a hundred percent. Donuts yeah. are so easy. You know, they're so accessible. And that's why I hope that one day that I can get into like other baked goods. And I don't think that's far from my future. But what I love about donuts is how approachable they are. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. I'm Carrie Diamond, the founder of Cherry Bomb and the editor-in-chief of Cherry Bomb magazine. Cherry Bomb's Cooks and Books Festival is taking place Saturday, November 11th at Ace Hotel Brooklyn. It's New York City's only cookbook festival. We have so many amazing authors joining us. I want to tell you about one panel in particular. At 3 p.m. on the 11th, we have a terrific panel called Mom's the Bomb, featuring Sola El-Whaley, Fanny Gerson, Camille Becerra, and Samantha Senevaratna. Camilla Marcus of Westbourne will be moderating this lively conversation about motherhood, kids in the kitchen, family meal, and more. Head to cherrybomb.com to snag a ticket and check out the full lineup while you're there. All tickets are $20. Let's talk a little bit more about the brick-and-mortar space. So Detour Donuts exists, you know, in Frisco. People can come there, get a donut. Yeah. What I really adore about your space is you have these story time hours on Fridays. And, <laughs> yes. and you always post about them. And they're such great books. I mean, I love children's books. How do you think about the bakery serving as a community space based on the events that you're doing? 
our space is not big, so I have to pick and choose what kind of events we do. But if you know a little bit about Frisco, you know that it's like a bedroom community for Dallas, even though lately Frisco has a lot of its own things going on. There are a lot of families there, and I think we live in a world where there's just a lot of screens and lots of iPads and kids zoning out, like watching TV. And I also have a six-year-old. Oh, yeah, so cute. Yes. Yeah. Does yes. he also does he help in the donut shop sometimes? He tries to. He wants to. But then when he's there, he's like, you know what? I don't really want to do this. But can I have all the chocolate? I mean, he has a pretty good deal for most for most kids. He so does very, tell like, everyone that. Mom has a donut shop and like, have you been there? Do you know me? It's hilarious. He's your marketing guy. (laughs) He really is. Part of the work that I want to do is give families a space to come and connect with their kids. And I know it's not for long, you know, our story times last, what, like 30 minutes max, but that's still really valuable quality time. And to get kids excited about books, get out of the house and like see other kids and honestly it's really hot in texas summer times has been it's been difficult to go outside so just a space where the parents can have the kind of donut that they want and the kind of coffee that they want and the kids can be exposed to more literature and each other And Marcy, she is a retired librarian, and she has been putting a lot of energy into our story times and, like, picking out the books and, like, making the crafts for it and everything, and I'm so thankful for her. Are there any other events that you would hope to have to bring other demographics of the community into the fold at at Detour? Yes, totally. There was a time where I was in denial about how small my space was, And then I had to bring some of the ingredients out from the back for them to be like in the front because we needed more space in the back. And that really helped me see like, okay, I need to use this space more wisely. So what we're actually planning on doing hopefully soon is doing like these donut omakases. Oh, so cool. Yeah. 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 So they're going to be like donut flights, basically. But then I'm hoping I can make the donut in front of them and hand it to them like omakase style and have conversation, you know, and like, again, like getting us off our phones, but actually connecting with each other. For those of you listening, omakase is the traditional Japanese style of ordering food where you leave every selection up to the chef. Yes. Yeah. So creating conversation, which just goes back to like why I make the kind of donuts that I make anyway to create conversation. I know it's incredibly challenging to run a physical space, especially for food businesses, the profit margins, paying rent, lights, all these different things. What have been some challenges and learnings that you've had in the experience of having detour in physical space? Oh, For me, and I think I'm just now getting out of this because donuts are so personal to me, it's largely been a family business. Running a family-style business and like an employee-run business are two very different schools of thought. Totally. And when I first started Detour, it was sort of like half family, half employee. But now like we have, I've transitioned 
into all employees. Like I don't work with any other family members. That switch has been very tough. Mm-hmm. Honestly, very toxic. I'm working with family members and I needed the dynamics to be different. But then even when I hired some, I would start recreating some of those dynamics and I had to become very self-aware of who I am at the store to make sure everyone has a great workplace, including myself. Yeah, that was one of my biggest challenges. How do you find support within the Frisco and Dallas baking slash food owner community? Do you feel like there's been a good support or people that you've been able to turn to as you've been figuring out if something breaks, if something doesn't work out, if you're mm-hmm. going through a dynamic that, that you need to fix in order to keep the shop alive? Koreans and DFW have made their own economy around donuts. So there's like someone that fixes donut equipment and we have vendors that speak only Korean for like the donut shops Mm. with owners that only speak Korean and like milk vendors too. It's all very accessible in that way. So I tap into that support when I need it. And then when it comes to employees and such, I definitely have business owner mentors. I would say, yeah, Chef Ray from Sandwich Hag has been very helpful. And then my boyfriend, Sean, he's been incredible. It's all about the support, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize how unsupported I was. Like, you have to work to change that, you know? Okay, like, let's bring, like, people into my life that's actually going to support my dream and be happy that I am carrying it forward. Yeah, so lately things have been amazing. I also think it's really admirable when bakers or store owners use their skills and their talents to speak up and, and serve as advocates for particular issues or causes I know you've done a few campaigns over at your bakery, particularly as it pertains not just to different heritage months, but also to unfortunate events that do happen. So you had a Stop Asian Hate Donut sale period yes, where you were able to raise $3,000 and match those sales to a total of $6,000 to the AAPI Community GoFundMe. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of what it was like creating those donuts? And how did your community feel when this was the way that you were hoping to shed a light on what was happening? Yeah, I was in a lot of pain, for sure. Yeah, that event opened my eyes to what I already knew, but I realized that I was the one that had to speak up. I am a leader in the community, and and I have the capacity right now. So let's go ahead and make this thing as loud as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, after the Atlanta shooting happened, I mean, these decisions are overnight because you got to act fast if you want to shed light on an event. So like literally the next day, I was like, okay, we're going to make these donuts that say like hashtag stop Asian hate. When it comes to organizing, I guess we don't expect or want these things to happen I was like, it's got to be super clear. So we have to like write the whole thing. Hashtag stop Asian hate. And we posted it online. And what I told my community was whatever you guys buy, I will match. Because you buying this donut and saying that you will keep this in your heart. I am also going to match that because I I want all of us to hold each other accountable. And that's how I'm going to 
show it with my actions. Yeah. Yeah. So they bought $3,000 worth and then I matched that and $6,000 to Stop Asian Hate, GoFundMe. And it was amazing. Like the news came out and I feel like the entire community came out and everyone was like wrapped around our building to get these donuts. And it felt like they care. How do you think that showing your activism in such a fervent way will inspire other emerging bakers or even just food enthusiasts to be able to show their support through food when things like this unfortunately do happen? I think in the food industry or really any industry for that matter, the concept of professionalism gets in the way of one, having opinions. People think it is professional to just go about your day like nothing happened. But this is a very personal business that came from very personal roots. I am going to have to speak out about these things. Everything that you see, everything that you like here, like comes from who I am. I'd love to yeah, continue inspiring talented chefs to keep working on their craft, but also to realize that they have a voice and they can use it. And it doesn't mean that you're being unprofessional. Yeah, Yeah. that's very empowering. Well, as you know, we're huge manifestors on the podcast. Where do you hope to see Detour in the next five to 10 years? And where do you hope to see yourself in the picture as well? So I've spent the past five years testing out a lot of different things. And five years seems like a long time, but also it takes time to test out all of those things. We just renewed our lease in Frisco. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a huge, huge deal. I really did not know that I would be doing this for 10 years, even after. So let's see. In 2022, I did get my green card. So at that point, I was like, okay, you said you were going to you said you were going to go back to school. So are you really going to do that? But I feel like Detour has a life of its own and it deserved more of my work and my time. Hopefully in the next five to 10 years, I'm hoping that we can take our core message further and create more conversation with donuts and educate more people about where some of these like desserts or flavors came from and just spread joy. That's so lovely. And I know you've mentioned it a few times, but I wanted to make space for it. Congratulations on your permanent residency, which you got Thank you. last year after 21 years of being in America. Oh, yeah. I know the immigration process is not easy, especially as an immigrant myself to mm. America. Mm. Now that you finally, I know you mentioned that Frisco has always been home for you, especially coming to America at seven. How do you feel having that now and how do you hope it'll impact or inspire your work? When you're not really sure, like, if you're going to be able to stay, for a long time, I approached life like, oh, it doesn't matter what I do right now, because I'm not really even sure if I'll be staying here or not. So lots of impulsive decisions and doing whatever I want. And mm, it's a survival tactic in a way, though, right? Because you'll never know when you'll get that chance again. Yeah, it's like, it's the fear right? That made me use that sort of survival tactic. I've been working on manifesting more, thriving more, like trying to get out of the survival mode. And I think you can see it a little bit at my donut shop too, because I, I was 
when I would respond to like stop Asian hate or other things that happen in America, I'd be so angry. <laughs> I don't want to make angry donuts. It's like, okay, how can we make things that are rooted in joy, that are rooted in acceptance, that are rooted in thriving and supporting each other, which is where bringing all the different celebrations comes from. Ginny, we're going to do the future flash five. Gotcha. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's do it. The future for bakers. Ooh, still sweet. The future for business owners. Hard. The future of donuts. Minis. The future for community spaces. Connection. And the future of activism. Important. Ginny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. If we want to continue to support you, where are the best places to find you? You can follow us on Instagram, uh, Detour Donuts. That's D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T-S. I always have to explain that. And also our website to see what we're carrying in store for that month. Amazing. Thank Thanks you. so much. Before we go, our guest is going to leave a voicemail at the Future of Food mailbox, just talking to themselves 10 years from now. You have reached the Future of Food as You mailbox. Please leave your message after the beep. Hey you, I guess you're booked and busy or taking a well-deserved nap, so I'll just leave you with this. How's life? Is it actually all working out? We've been surrounding ourselves with good people, choosing happiness and facing our fears. I'm curious about the accumulation of intentional decisions rather than a pile of impulsive ones. How's your body? Are you comfortable in it? Have we found how to manage the chronic pain? I hope you've been keeping up with yoga and hopefully in some sort of dance or pole studio to move your body. How is your mind? Has it imploded from overthinking yet? Remember, think less and just go headfirst into the things that scare you. That's where the magic is. How's your soul? I hope you're traveling more. How many countries have you visited? Feed yourself with something that reminds you of grandma today. I have zero doubt motherhood is a blast. Say hi to future Lawrence for me and that I can't wait to meet him. When things are hard, just remember that kid's magical smile. Of course, you're still with the love of your life. Have you collaborated creatively yet? What a gift to have found love so precious. Jenny, I am so proud of you. I love you so much. You're my hero. That's it for today's show. Do you know someone who you think is the future of food? Tell us about them. Nominate them at the link in our show notes or leave us a rating and a review and tell me about them in the review. I can't wait to read more about them. Thanks to Carrie Gold for sponsoring our show. The Future of Food as You is a production of the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network. Thanks to the team at CityVox Studios, executive producers Carrie Diamond and Catherine Baker, and associate producer Jenna Sadu. Catch you on the future flip. <laughs> <laughs>